is it you haven't seen the god song psycho? Bro, you have seen Taxi Driver? I haven't seen Boys in the Hood. Hello, and welcome to another episode of FilmWise. I am Bubba Wheat, as always, from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. And today, my guest is Shane Slater from Film Actually. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. And uh, if you haven't listened before, we are going to get to know a little bit more about Shane uh, and his movie tastes. And then we will talk about a film that I had never seen before. And uh, this time around, it's... uh, I'm for Black History Month. I decided that I wanted to take a look at some uh, some great moments in black cinema uh, because there was a lot of those that I haven't seen. And uh, whenever I was adding some to my watch list, Shane was one of those that helped me out with a few choices. So he was one of the first people that, uh, that I went to ask for. Uh, and then to... Uh, finish up the episode we'll be talking about a film that Shane had never seen which is a uh, a superhero film something that I've covered on flights tights and movie nights before uh, but before we get down to that let's get to know a little bit more about Shane so why don't you go ahead and start us off by telling you a little bit about yourself and about your site where they can find you online Okay, as, as uh, Bubba said, my name is Shane, and I write for Film Actually, which is my personal blog, and I also write for the awards circuit. Um, mostly, I contribute um, to their foreign film section, writing about foreign films and doing interviews and so on, and covering um, the foreign language Oscar race. Um, those who know me online know that I'm a big Oscar junkie, so <laughs> on both my site and award circuit, a lot of my uh, writing is related to the Oscars. All right, and uh, so let's get to know a little bit more about your movie tastes. So mm-hmm. what are three movies that you've seen the most often and haven't gotten tired of yet? <laughs> you know, this is actually a, this is actually a difficult question because lately I haven't um, been doing a lot of rewatching. Um, but the first the first one that came to mind was Kill Bill Volume One. Um, I watched that movie so much um, in high school, and even now um, I think I can recite almost all the lines while I'm watching it. <laughs> uh, such a it's such a fun movie and well directed and just really cool and. Um, Uma Thurman's performance is really great. Mm-hmm. And then the other two, I actually had to go way back to my childhood and think of like my VHS tapes, because that's when I would have rewatched more movies. And so the other one would have been the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was a big Power Rangers fan, so I watched that movie a lot. Um, I don't know if I'd still love it now, but I, I have fond memories of it. <laughs> And then the third one, um, it would have to be uh, something Disney. Uh, I can't really say which one. I think it might actually be The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hmm. Um, not many people um, talk about that film that much today, but I, I really like that film and the dark places that it goes and the music. And um, it actually has really good animation as well. Um, so that's that was one of my favorites as well. Yeah, I know that the Hunchback of Notre Dame was one that, uh, whenever it came out, I I had even back then I had some issues with it, and, mm-hmm. and I'd say even even though I do app- 
appreciate it a little bit more now. It's still one of my uh, lesser Disney movies. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite movie that you've only seen once, which I, I imagine that that this one will be a bit harder because it sounds like you have a lot of them to yeah. choose from. Because <laughs> you, you're someone like me. I, I also don't often watch movies more than once. Yeah. Um, my answer to this would probably have to be Apocalypse Now. Um, when I watched that a few years ago, it really just blew me away. Um, I mean, for obvious reasons, the directing and uh, the script and cinematography is amazing. And Marlon Brando, of course, is in it, and he's one of my favorites. So, yeah, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, and, and if you do go back around to it, I, I would recommend uh, checking out the the Redux. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that one. Because yeah. uh, that's that's a uh, uh, a really good director's cut, mm-hmm. and, and then and it really adds a lot to the movie too. Yeah. Um, and so of course I I ask everybody since my site focuses on superheroes, what is your favorite superhero movie? Well, I'm gonna give that, um, I guess, cliche answer now, which is The Dark Knight. Um, I, I really like that film, um, the performances. Uh, Christopher Nolan's one of my favorite directors, and just just the set pieces and the like, the moral questions it brings up, and of course, Heath Ledger as the Joker is just one of the all-time great performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is cliche, but it, it is cliche for a reason, and yeah. uh, and I have I I never really get tired whenever of of people answering with that movie because it, it really is such a great film, and uh, even though some uh, some of the Marvel stuff is getting closer to that level for yeah. different reasons, uh, especially this past year, but most of Superhero cinema really hasn't caught up to the Dark Knight quality yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and then if if you were to write exclusively on a narrow niche of movies, uh, something like time travel movies or superhero movies or like movies that pass the Bechtel test, um, mm-hmm. what would that be? Uh, one one type of movie I've always been fascinated by is. Um Movies with where switched identity, you know, like um, <laughs> like Freaky Friday, like par- yeah, Freaky Friday, Parent Trap, uh, Trading Places. Um, oh, so now, I yeah, think not just, just the body swap, but also like the Prince and the Popper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting things um, to explore in that in that niche. Um, just you know, the whole idea of walking in someone else's shoes and seeing different perspectives, and uh, I, I think there's a lot. Uh, interesting things within that subgenre. Yeah, that's that's a I would say that's a really good choice, and, and there uh, there's a lot of to explore with that with that theme, and, and a lot of different directions to go. But uh, and, and like many narrow niches, there's also plenty of schlock in there mm-hmm. <laughs> because there there are plenty of really cheesy body swap movies. Yeah, <laughs> and then. Finally, uh, what would you say right now is your biggest film-wise, a film that you haven't seen yet that you feel like you really should have gotten around to by now? Well, I think my biggest blind spots uh, are probably in the classics, um, the older movies, and one movie that I really want to see that I've heard such great things about is um, Brief Encounter by David Lean. 
Um, I don't know if you've if you've seen it, but uh, that's one that I'd really like to get around to seeing. No, I, I haven't seen that, and, and I haven't really even heard it brought up too often mm-hmm. as one of the the great classic films. Um, can can you tell just a, a little bit more about it, just to for those who who are like me and haven't heard about it? Well, it's it's about. Um, it's, it's it's I think it's set on a train. I actually don't know that much about it because I've tried not to read up <laughs> too much. Um, but it's about these strangers in a in a railway station, and um, the woman meets this man, and she's tempted to cheat on her husband. And um, just I guess it just follows their relationship and um, uh, the romance that that follows. Okay, I, it's I, from the, it's from the 1940s. 40s, okay. So, yeah. yeah, I now that you now that you put it that way, I, I think I have seen it pop up on on somebody's list recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, all right. Um, well, that's it. Was good to hear a little bit more about your movie tastes, and uh, but now we're going to um, talk about the film that you had me watch for the first time. Boys in the Hood. A place where drugs, crime, and violence rule the streets. This guy's really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Shit just goes on and on, you know. You have the right to remain silent. Either they don't know. You have the right to an attorney. Don't show. I don't care about what's going on in the hood. Old Detroit has a cancer. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You're dead! We killed you! Can we have one night where there ain't no fight, nobody gets shot? Okay. Well, Boys in the Hood is a 1991 coming-of-age film. Um, for all our listeners who haven't heard of it or seen it, um, it's directed by John Singleton. And I chose this one for you because, um, as you said, you were interested in discussing black cinema. And the other obvious alternative would have been do the right thing. But that one, I feel, has been discussed to death and everyone's um, analyzed that enough. Uh, So I chose Boys in the Hood, which I think is just as important in the landscape of black cinema. Um, It's about a young black man and it follows his his, um, coming of age from a very young young boy living in South Central Los Angeles, which is known for being a place with a lot of violent crimes and drugs and prostitution. And it just follows uh, him as he, as he grows up and trying trying to stick to the values and morals that his parents instilled in him and how he struggles against that um, society, which has basically um, discarded the men um, they, in the film, a lot of his friends are just deadbeat um, boys who are just hanging around the block um, doing nothing. Um, and I think it's it's a really it's a really good film. It's, it's very moving, um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought it would be good to discuss this film. Um, it, it's it's such an Im- important film. As I said, um, I'm an Oscar junkie, and this. This has a lot of importance because it was the first time a black director had been nominated for the Oscar, John Singleton. Mm-hmm. And so, and also, 
Um, we're in the thick of award season, and there's another coming-of-age film with a slightly similar title, Boyhood. <laughs> and it's interesting to think of this movie in relation to that. Uh, yeah, so. and and I was yeah I was reading up on that, and and not only was he with the first black director, he was also the youngest director nominated. Yeah, mm-hmm. which he was a couple years younger than uh, Orson Welles whenever he was nominated. Right. So, what did you think of the film? Uh, well, I I really enjoyed it. I I didn't really know as much about it as I thought I did. Uh, um, before watching it, I knew that it was um, that it kind of centered around um, like the the gang life. The um, like I didn't necessarily knew it was set in South Central LA, but I I knew it was set in like the the ghetto, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just kind of like a, a slice of life type of thing. I I didn't realize that it was more specifically a coming of age movie. Yeah. Um, and I I didn't know that it it kind of uh, drew inspiration from Stand by Me. Uh, yeah. With like the the way that it starts and the way that it ends, especially the way that it ends. Um, mm-hmm. And and I didn't even know like I. I think I could have guessed that it that it had a, a rapper in an early acting role, but I mm-hmm. I didn't know which one. Um, Ice Cube, yeah, yeah, and and I was uh, kind of surprised to, to see uh, that it did have uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in it and uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, uh, but overall, I I really did enjoy it. I I thought that there were a couple parts where. I could see what was coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, especially, uh, especially whenever all the good things started happening with um, oh, I forget his name already. The the football player, yeah, his friend. Um, like as soon as the the SAT or the the college recruiter came to yeah. his house and he was saying that he needed to, at least a seven hundred on. On his SATs, at that point in the movie, I I said to my wife, who was watching it with me, it's like, okay, he, he is going to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you actually th- you saw he, you thought he was going to get killed. Yeah, like right at that moment, like mm-hmm. as soon as all the good things were starting to happen, him. Yeah. It's like he's going to go to college. He's getting his life together. Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to survive through the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I, I really liked the performances. I, I thought mm-hmm. that uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was was great as, as yeah. the, the central character. Um, I really like Lawrence Fishburne, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's kind of funny because like I, as I was reading, I, I saw that he's only six years older than Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. But he plays his father, but he really does sell the the age difference. Yeah, yeah, he just portrays this wisdom and. and and this knowledge um did you did you recognize um most of the cast you mentioned cuba gooding jr ice cube um are you familiar with with a lot of the cast um yeah i i i recognized several of them um Mm -hmm. uh, i can't think of her name right now but she she went on to uh star and to be in the the first couple scary movies uh this was her first role Mm -hmm. um and also the um the his mother um was also Angela Bassett. Yeah. Yes, Angela Bassett. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's interesting, um when I when I watched it this time around, um you see 
even though uh, John Singleton, uh, he just got this big breakthrough with this film, I think one of the more interesting legacies is is how it was such a breakthrough for all these actors. I mean, um, this was the debut of, uh, I think it was, I think Nia Long had her debut at this film, and she was a huge um black actress in the 90s is also Regina King's debut and she's had a great career mm -hmm. Julia Bassett this is her first major role it was Morris Chestnut's debut it was Ice Cube's debut and all of these actors are, are just synonymous with black cinema now and they're they're some of the biggest stars some of the more, most successful successful actors today um, so it was really a, a big um, in terms of black cinema, it's a big coming out film for a lot of the current um, black stars. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting that this was the film that um, really kind of spurred on their careers. Yeah, and I, th I think one of the, the other things that, that really struck me about this film, uh, because of pretty much how I grew up, where I've... I've grew up in central Illinois and um, mm -hmm. and I've been kind of around that area. I've, I've spent some time in Kentucky and Indiana, um, but I've, I've mostly lived like in, in these uh, not small towns, but kind of smaller sized towns and in the yeah, mostly yeah. white neighborhoods and, and like suburban life. And watching this film is like watching a completely another world. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so like everything is just so different from mm -hmm. my experiences. It's it's really uh, shocking almost, and and to yeah. know that this really is like based on on his life experiences, and and it may be yeah. exaggerated in, in some points, but a lot of this stuff is things that that did happen. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting to compare this film to um, Menace to Society, which is somewhat similar um, in, in the plot and the setting. Um, Menace to Society is, is a much harsher film. Um, what I like about Boys in the Hood is, even though it's, it's very um, gritty and authentic, it, it has this grounding, um, it, it's, it's sentimental and it, it's, it has an optimism about it. Mm -hmm. um, Especially, especially, what I love is is the the characters of his parents. Um, I think they are such a crucial part of the film. Um, just how they how they um, guide him and and how they reinforce um, the values um, from from way back when he was young, uh, right in the beginning of the film when he has that um, tantrum in class and his mom immediately says okay he's going to live with his father he's going he's going this is this is it he's going to go live with his father and just i think it's it's very it's a very accurate um how do i say it? it's it's a very like social commentary yeah i i, th I think i think i think he 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 did a good in in writing the script i like how he showed how they had to really reinforce the values um, in, in, in him from the start. Uh, I, I mean, throughout the film, you see all, all the ways that his life could go wrong. I mean, he's walking down the street and people are getting robbed right behind him as a child. And um, just how they had to really reinforce the values every step of the way and guide him and, like, 
later on in the film when he's about to make a big mistake and retaliate, um, spoiler alert, after Ricky dies and how his father just kind of confronts him and tells him to, you know, think about this and he's going to make sure that he doesn't make these mistakes. And it's just such an important thing in this society, you know. Um, as I said, it, it, it's it's a society where the the men kind of are get this impression that they don't have that many prospects and just just to see the parents really take an interest in him and love him and encourage him and guide him was I think it was a really really good thing to see in this film yeah and and I do really appreciate how it does have this uh, this positive tone throughout it, even mm-hmm. though it, it's showing so like what you would think of as some of the worst aspects yeah. of society. But mm-hmm. there's there's still like this uh, almost the shining light in in the middle of it, and you can mm-hmm. see that people can make it in those areas. And yeah. although I I do think that it, it's one like it probably wasn't necessarily meant to be as funny as I took it, but one of the funniest things I think is is his dad. How he's this mm-hmm. uh, this bank mortgage officer, for, mm-hmm. and he uh, like he has a nameplate that actually has his says his name as Furious Styles. Furious Styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's funny. Um, but yeah, other than that, like like he was just this this great character, and like the um, one of his friends. Like asks if he was a preacher at one point, just because mm-hmm. the of how he like drops this wisdom on them. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and you also do you know see... it's go ahead. You know it's it's interesting how um, comparing to RoboCop, for example, how it how it shows how they respond to violence and how uh, in in RoboCop it, it it's like they they've they have answers for the violence. They they come up with this solution. Whereas here, it's kind of, even though it's optimistic, it's kind of showing you how this cycle of violence is is never ending. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, um, and and even though, uh, and even though there is this this point where, where you do see how the violence can kind of. Uh, expand its reaches and and mm-hmm. take away the life of this good kid who mm-hmm. was also trying to do everything right mm-hmm. trying to go to college trying to to be a father yeah uh, to his kid he, even though he's still just a senior in high school mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the, most most of the violence takes place uh towards the end of the movie but i i find there's the film has this really strong sense of dread um, in it. Uh, like mm-hmm. th- there are scenes where just just the way they they show, like for instance, when the guy points the gun at him, or when he when he gets um, with the cop who who approaches him, and just just this sense of dread in the air without mm-hmm. having to be gratuitous about the violence. Right, I think that's, and also that's the, a really nice touch. Yeah. Like, like in the sound design, there's always this, mm-hmm. like this ever-present uh, police helicopters. Yeah, right. yeah, in the background. Yeah. He did a really good job directing this film, I think. Mm-hmm. And, what, what did you think about the 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 first part of the film? Um, when he was younger. 
Yeah, I that, feel like for for some persons, I feel like it might feel a bit preachy and sentimental. I was wondering how, how did you feel about it? Um, well, the the beginning part of the the movie was a bit of a surprise uh, because mm-hmm. I I wasn't uh, I wasn't expecting that portion of it, and and I thought that it. And maybe went on just a, a little bit too long, um, because I, I was expecting like the 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 whole South Central thing, and I expected them to be uh, not. Well, honestly, I, I did almost expect them to be adults and not uh, high schoolers, yeah. as mm-hmm. <laughs> which the I, I don't know how old they were, but they they did look a bit older for high schoolers. But that's that's yeah. kind of always the case. Yeah. Um but I I thought the the kid did pretty well. Um I one of the things I I noticed whenever I was watching it was like at first you think that he's going to be like the the class clown and then the teacher asks him to come up front and and I'm just thinking yeah because if he's the class clown the the you want the best thing to do is to give him the center of attention, which is exactly <laughs> what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and just to to see him kind of explode and and these two kids just kind of go into fighting right away is mm-hmm. is something that like it feels it feels fairly authentic. I, I would say. Yeah. Um, and and then. Like the and and one thing one character that I do want to mention is is that one cop, which that mm-hmm. is something that especially now um, with all the the events that have kind of taken place in in the recent and last year and everything it it's something yeah. that's that's still very relevant um, not mm-hmm. just for the fact that that he is a black cop mm-hmm. um, but even more so. With the with the white cops in in a black area, um, it, it yeah. is in, it is interesting that he did choose. And, and I read in the trivia that he really specifically wanted to include this character as a as a black cop who is racist against black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was that was a good decision too. I mean, it's it's people don't often think about um, blacks as being racist towards other blacks, but I think that's that's a very important um, part of the whole racist discussion. I mean, like, for instance, if you think about um, Samuel L. Jackson's character in Django Unchained, um, he was also um, kind of racist towards towards black people. And it's, 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 it's a sign of, of what the whole... Um, the whole history of slavery and and all that has has wrought upon black persons in terms of um, the whole self-loathing and feeling inferior and uh, I think that 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 really comes across in this film and Django Unchained um, with those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of of what else I I wanted to. Bring up about this film. I, I did think that uh, Ice Cube did a, a pretty good job. Yeah, which the, this yeah. was his first role, and as mm-hmm. an actor, uh, even though he was kind of more or less just seemingly per- portraying kind of his rap persona. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the ensemble is really good. And then, and one one thing that 
that did kind of stand out to me as making it uh, kind of dated was the the character of Dookie, how he mm-hmm. always had the pacifier in his mouth, <laughs> which I def I definitely remember uh, in high school. There would be a, there was a handful of people that that would walk around with the, like the pacifier necklaces and uh, just having their pa- these pacifiers in their mouths and in high school, which back then I thought was completely ridiculous and and I never <laughs> I, I never even understood like where it came from whenever I was that age and it wasn't until later that that I found out how it it. Like it, it, it wasn't this case in in all of um, in in every instance, but uh, at least in some instances, I heard that, that that there was that it was like drug related, where you can like put this drug on on the pacifier and then uh, get high sucking on it. Um, yeah, it, it was strange. It, that was strange to me too, because we we didn't have that in when I grew up in um, high school. I grew up in, well, I was born in Jamaica, but I grew up in a smaller island called St. Vincent, and we didn't have that whole pacifier craze thing. <laughs> so it was it was probably even more strange to me. Yeah, and and it was very short-lived, because I, I imagine it, it was only a period of like maybe four or five years. It, it just happened to be whenever I was in high school that it, that it happened. So it's like I saw that, and... Mm. And it really, it really like brought me back to that time. It's like <laughs> I remember so many kids walking around with pacifiers, <laughs> and that was so ridiculous. Do you think they were doing drugs? <laughs> well, I I didn't even know, like I didn't know that con- connotation back then. Yeah. I just thought it was just this weird fad, and then I found out about the drug connotation later, which. That may even be like exaggerated or an urban legend or, or something like that, because I, I just kind of read it on a web, on a website once. Um, mm-hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Yeah, the film is such a, a really good time capsule in that in that sense, and even in, even in the filmmaking too. I mean, that that score is definitely from like the late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the fashion. <laughs> Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. I have to bring up the fashion that, like, the that just everything that everybody wears is so nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like even each... even the 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 dialogue as well. Uh, it's it's from the nineties too. Mm-hmm. Although 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 a lot of it is, uh, people still talk about talk that way still, and even even thematically, I think the there are a lot of there are. So many movies like this that came around the same time, and I and I, it, it must have come as a as a social commentary for that time. I mean, you, in the first, the opening of the film, you see the titles talking about black men and killing each other and the violence and uh, menace to society has that sort of that sort of tone as well. It's kind of like this outcry. Um, because it, it's, the, the situation is so bad, and uh, the sense as well, it's it's a time capsule for some of the social issues of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I am I am curious about how 
things have changed in mm-hmm. in the twenty years because I do know or that stayed the same, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I do know that it's like it's still something that pops up in the news, and, and there's still mm-hmm. these areas. But I do also believe that if you look at the numbers, the mm-hmm. amount of violence has steadily been decreasing over the yeah. years. But it's like that. That's something that. That they don't want to tell you in the news because the news yeah. is just about generating ratings and and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, and and of course I I could be wrong because I have, this is this is all just like Wikipedia type knowledge <laughs> where I'm mm-hmm. just getting it from somebody else who got it from somebody else who got it from somebody else who could be making it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do know that I I have read um, read that. That crime, as as a whole, has been steadily decreasing, mm-hmm. and especially like violent crime. But there, there's no way to really know, and unless you are someone who's actually looking at the numbers or looking at reports, that looking at reliable reports. Well, I mean, Furious, Furious Styles in the movie, he when he has that big speech about gentrification. I mean, that's something that still exists now and uh, last year i watched a documentary called tales of the grim sleeper and that one is is, it's about um sort of the same geographical region of um los angeles and it just it, it was talking about a lot of the same issues that still exist today um in terms of prostitution and drug use and um that well that documentary was mainly about um a serial killer who targeted um, women and prostitutes, but overall it was commenting on a lot of the things that are still the same and are really inherent in those societies because of gentrification. So, um, and it also kind of touched on how, as you said, a lot of the things we don't really hear about them in the media. Um, so our perceptions may be skewed because of that. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe it has gotten better uh, overall in terms of the numbers. So and and one one other thing that I I just kind of thought of that I was maybe a little surprised to not see in this film because like it's something that you do think of a lot is is the drug use and we don't mm-hmm. really see any drugs except for that one crackhead mother. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, because like none of none of his friends like there's no there's no mention or any use of marijuana uh, in this film. Uh, they're yeah. all just constantly drinking forties. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> Have you ever had a forty? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I I I. I these are just like so just amusing just the whole concept of this huge like, bottle of, of, of beer it, it, it is beer right I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's I don't beer <laughs> it's like beer or malt it's, it's Schlitz malt liquor <laughs> I don't know okay. yeah I love how they just always have a 40 in there and like, it's, it's cult 45 throughout the movie. <laughs> I don't know just, it's it's yeah, I, I wouldn't even know it. <laughs> yeah, that that is just another thing that I don't know. I want to say it kind of dates it, but it's 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 another one of those things where that's it's like foreign to me. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, overall, I, I did think that it, it was a really great movie, and, and we haven't talked too much about Cuba Gooding Jr.'s performance because um, he he really plays like this, like the straight man, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's it's like this this guy who's trying to to do good, but at the same time, um, he's also like he, he has all this all this thing all this stuff surrounding him and like you you see like we get the mention that that he's a virgin but at the mm-hmm. same time he's he's trying to push his girlfriend into having sex uh because mm-hmm. she's a, a catholic and she wants to wait till she gets married um and then they uh and of course he stays away from the violence and yeah. until he has the moment where where his friend gets killed right in front of him Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has the moment where he's trying to seek revenge. Yeah, so so much about of what happens in this film, all the, all the bad things that happen, are really just about this this macho um this macho thing in the society where your rep is so important. I mean, mm-hmm. in in when you look at how Ricky died, that was all because this this teenager stood up to this guy i mean he didn't he didn't do anything to him he just stood up to him and um, in this society you have to remember that um it's all about your rep and you you can't just have a insult you and just let it slide and mm-hmm. it's, it's it's really sad um to, to think that it's the the machismo um is just this pointless thing that causes so much tragedy um, and that that's that plays such a big part of the film and and just in terms of and also in how the the women are portrayed and how the men relate to those women and the uh, Regina King characters says in the movie why do you always have to call us bitches and hoes and so on and that that's also a very authentic part of of the movie and mm. how this society is set up and how they relate to each other and in terms of Cuba Gooding Jr., I, I I also really love his performance. Um, what what he does really interesting with the role is that vulnerability. I mean, it, it's he's around all these like macho men and gangsters, and I only see him cry at least three times. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's not something you see in in these sort of films. And I thought that was a really smart choice by the director to have him be that vulnerable and to have him have such a close relationship with his father um, is something that's quite um, interesting. In As I said, in this society, uh, the role of men and how a lot of the other families in the film don't have father figures. Right. And to have, have Cuba have such a close relationship with his father is really um, quite a, a, a rare thing in this society. Yeah, there, there's really only, there, there only is two father figures in this film: mm-hmm. Furious Styles and then his his friend, the, mm-hmm. um, who's the the teenage father. Exactly. And um, and one of them gets killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Furious Styles. That this this film really does uh, accentuate the importance of of having a father figure mm-hmm. in in that kind of culture yeah where that and, 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 it, it is the the stereotype and 
and uh, that there are so many single mothers in, yeah. like, in South Central LA, and and so many absentee fathers, either from yeah. violence or because they don't care. Mm-hmm. And I love I love um, Angela Bassett, who who is so so good in this film. It, it seems like she's in more of the film because she just has such an impact to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that scene where they're in the cafe and she's like, oh, you think you're special? You're just doing what single mothers have been doing for years. And she, I, I think she just did a great job with it, with, with that line reading and, and that scene, um, just telling him, yeah, you sacrifice, but um, plenty of other women sacrifice in the society, this single woman throughout history. Uh, right. And that, that just really touches on... So, so many themes in the film. Yeah, and I do think that it was an interesting choice because that scene, it, it, it really stands out because it, it's the two of them meeting, but they're mm-hmm. meeting in this very white part of town. They're they're meeting mm-hmm. in this very white restaurant. They're they're the only two black people in here, and they're drinking. Like she orders an espresso, and he offers a cafe yeah. lay, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's very much this. Again, it's like it, they're going into this different world. Yeah. Uh, to where they're they're meeting in in this this nice restaurant um, mm-hmm. to, to to talk, and and it's such a, a stark contrast to the rest yep. of the film. Yeah. That that it really stands out, even though not much really happens in that scene. Yeah. And even even um, just how how she how we see her later in the film she's successful just by looking at her her home when she's on the phone with with her son and the father um she she decided to take charge of her life and get her masters and be successful and i just, I just really appreciated all those little touches um mm-hmm. just the optimism as i as i said earlier um just showing you even though it's it's hard hitting and it's showing the harsh aspects it's also giving you the alternative and i i think that that's that's really important in films like these yeah and and i think that is that is why i do and why i did enjoy the film mm-hmm. as much as i did because it it is showing us this this world where there's so much negative negativity but it does see the the positivity that comes through yeah all right well um Unless you have anything else to say about Boys in the Hood, I think we should take a quick break, and then whenever we come back, we're going to talk about the film that I had you watch for the first time, RoboCop. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Tansky. And I'm Dan Fogarty. Together, we host the Title Pending Movie Podcast. Title Pending is a weekly show where Tank and I get together and go over what's going on in the world of movies. Each episode, folks and I take a look at the biggest new release of the week and discuss the weekend's box office data. Then we pick a topic to discuss in depth from top tens to current issues to subjects that tie in to that week's new releases. We always do our best to entertain and enlighten. So come and check it out. Good times good films check out the title pending movie podcast available on itunes stitcher radio and everywhere that quality podcasts are found all right and there's our break um robocop came out in 1987 and it was the first big budget film from paul verhoven who's kind of made a name for himself since then as being a a big sci-fi director with total recall and uh 
Starship Troopers and uh, and films like that. And it was set it's set in the near future in Detroit, where it follows the the creation of the cybernetic police officer through Omni Consumer Products OCP. Uh, it's probably best known for some of the extreme violence for its time. Like whenever yes. author Sir Murphy is killed, uh, but it also has this layer of, of social satire that that does poke at consumerism uh, among many other things, and it is interesting. Which I I didn't think about it in, until you brought it up earlier. How this is a, a similar but very different um, uh, community where it's this this future Detroit. That's very crime ridden. It, it's very mm-hmm. much like in in the slums. There there's crime everywhere so much that that the police is privatized, uh, and yeah. it, and they also mention at one point in the film that that this was a risky venture for them, uh, yeah, because they weren't expecting to make money, or I guess a lot of people weren't expecting to make money or make improvements. Um, and and there's this whole mystery element to the plot, uh, and and there there is this like superhero aspect that that I like to think of it, uh, because very few people outside of me might look at this film as a superhero movie, but I, I think like RoboCop, I mean he's very similar to like the character Cyborg, um, mm-hmm. but he also has this. Um, this level where his memory is taken away from him and throughout the film he's trying to regain his identity and yeah. and this this cybernetic is is almost like a costume to where he does have these these two different personas he has his his regular personality as officer murphy and then he has this robocop identity yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. since this was the first time that you watched it, what did what did you think about the? And of course, uh, I did mention '87, but we are talking about the original RoboCop and and not mm-hmm. the remake. <laughs> yeah. So what did you it's think funny. about it? Yeah, I, I I liked it overall. I found it quite interesting. Um, I've I actually saw the other RoboCop, the new one, <laughs> um, before seeing this. It's interesting that RoboCop. And so many other films from around that time and even even the later 90s, um, because they're such they're so um, ingrained in pop culture. Like you all, you've already seen it because because you just know so much about it just from pop culture. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I just I just it never even occurred to me that I actually need to see RoboCop <laughs> because I just, it was just there. And the same thing happened with like, things like The Matrix and Terminator. And part of it is because I wasn't really allowed to watch action movies when I was younger. Mm. So when when I was that age, I, I didn't I wasn't able to to see those as I was watching like Disney movies. <laughs> and then later on, it just just slipped me that I I I needed to see these movies until. Um, when I really got into um, blogging and so on, that I realized that I needed to see them. Um, what what one of the first things that really stood out to me, as you said, was the extreme violence. Um, we're in we're in this like franchise um, obsessed um, contemporary um, period in cinema uh, with all these franchises and blockbusters and action movies and. Something that really caught me off guard. Um, all all these movies today are 
movies like this are all PG-13, mm-hmm. and this one, this one is rated R, and that's just something you don't see nowadays. Because as they, as they say, they're trying to cater to the teen boys and so on, and for to see a movie like this be so violent and and dark and um, rated R is it was just kind of jarring for me. Um, like the, like for instance that scene when they're introducing the the new uh, what do you call it? The, the big the robot ed, thing. The Ed 209. Yeah. When they're introducing him and, and it malfunctions, like, in, I, I immediately assume that they'll stop it before it, it, it goes <laughs> off and kills the guy, but it really, it really doesn't hold back, um, in that sense. And even when you, even when you think of films like The Dark Knight and those that we see as, um, like The Dark Knight trilogy is, is the one that we say, uh, caused PG-13, all these right and it, and it, and it we see it as a serious film and mm. even that one is kind of in the violence aspect is so tame compared to this right and it what was and even even while saying that it is dark and it is gritty but it's also kind of cartoonish in some aspects mm-hmm. um but I, I think a lot I find of that, that uh, an interesting balance. Yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of that comes from like the the commercials and, and the TV cutaways, which uh, mm-hmm. which really injects like the the comic um, the comic relief into this film. Yeah. Without yeah. taking away from the darkness of the story. Mm-hmm. And and I really I really appreciate how this movie does it because it, it doesn't like put these. It, it doesn't put like one-liners or, or quips in into the mouths of of the characters, uh, for the mm-hmm. most part, to try and get this comic relief to yeah. to help keep it from being so dark. But instead, it 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 injects these like commercials and news broadcasts. Um, mm-hmm. kind of similar to what they were trying to do in in the remake with the Samuel L. Jackson character. Yeah. Um, but I, I I do think that it does it it works better in here and 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 especially like if, if you go on the onto Twitter or social media and and you start talking about Robocop uh, maybe not quite so much since the the remake has come out but one of the first things that you'll hear back is I'll buy that for a dollar uh, just based on on these comic relief commercials from that that Benny Hill type character that you mm-hmm. that you see a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what did you think about uh, about that? Did that make an impression on you? Like it has, like it kind of has for so many of fans of this film who watched it whenever it came out. Yeah, I, I thought I thought putting those those scenes in there was was kind of I, I really like those commercials and just just the way it's set. The the um the place and, and and how it captured the 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 setting of the movie I, I thought those were pretty clever uh, I, I really appreciated that and like the uh, the car commercial for the the six thousand SUX mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah, uh, I, I mean that's you you couldn't get too much more blatant about how how this film feels about consumerism yeah exactly. And, you got this like this even thing. in the, in that scene where we're in that same intro scene with the robot after he kills the guy that there's like no there's there's no repercussions from that like they they just they just find another alternative to to that like the the people they're not even that like perturbed by it like i feel like 
in a contemporary film they'd have Indian kind of kind of going against against the the technology in fair, but they don't really see that in this film. Yeah, they they see it as as more of a, a glitch mm-hmm. and, and something that's that they need to fix so they don't lose all the money that they've invested in, in yeah. this project. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what did you think about um, like the the criminal organization? Which uh, I I don't know about you, but um, watching this, two two of the members stand out to me quite a bit, even now still, because because um, I was a big fan of that '70s show, and then also. Um, to a lesser extent, the show Reaper. Um, even though I I know that uh, I, Ray Wise is probably more famous for being in Twin Peaks, but uh, in in mm-hmm. the gang you get to see a, a very young Ray Wise, and um, mm-hmm. oh, I forget his name, but he played Red Foreman in in that '70s show, The Dad, mm-hmm. um, as as the the head of this like little gang. Um, it, were were you? Were you familiar with with those two actors? Familiar with um, the main the main um, gangster guy. Um, what's I think his name is Kurt Smith or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Mm. Yeah, I was familiar with him. I wasn't as familiar with the others, but I, I really like the villains. They're so maniacal and and crazy, and uh, I, I thought I thought they were good with the villains. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Um, and then, like, what, what did you think about this film coming in? Or I guess I should say, what did you think about the the remake? Uh, since you had seen that without without the the knowledge of seeing the original first. Um. Well, I, I was a bit ambivalent towards the remake. Um. It was felt very generic to me. Um. What I, I think is. That one hinges so much on his attachment to his family, while this one kind of has that as just such a small subplot of it. It's it barely even a subplot. Um, and then in this one, he has the the partner um, who an attractive woman who isn't doesn't turn out to be really a love interest. And I thought that was pretty interesting um, to see that in 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 this film. Um, in terms of in, in this film, I, I, I found it interesting how it's supposed to be this dystopia, this future dystopia. And I have to say, um, seeing it now, it, it, I guess part of it is because the technology is kind of dated and so on. It, it, it's, it feels like the 80s. And it, <laughs> also because, because of the, the commercials and so on, even that as well kind of dates it. And a, a lot of the some of the like the news packages where they're talking about South Africa and so on. Uh, I got the sense that it. I didn't really get the sense that it was the future. Um, uh, did, did you? It's the did 80s you find future. That, yeah, <laughs> and all the technology that they, they that's supposed to be so like mind blowing is just really feels dated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like I, I do think that that they did some of that better in. in and the remake just based mm-hmm. on the look of it. But, yeah, the art direction and so on. But what I really did, I did en- enjoy how they they handled his family in this one because I, I did mm-hmm. think that that was a drawback to the remake. 
and and yeah. I appreciate how they do touch upon it. So it it does you do see how it has impacted them, but we only see them through his memories that are resurfacing. And and mm-hmm. he, he even mentions how he has a hard like they're still in his heart, but he can't remember them. Yeah. So he only gets like these flashes and like whenever he goes back to to visit his home because it's uh we because it it took about um 90 days i think or it could have been longer but the the time period that the guy mentions whenever they green light the project is he says that he could get it up and running in 90 days um mm-hmm. so there's the feeling that several months have passed and and he goes back to his home and it and it's abandoned um his his yeah. wife and and son have already moved away so yeah. that's like this this foothold to the past that that he doesn't have anymore yeah but the the thing that i do appreciate that this film does do really well is how he like he loses everything like he does he dies but they they manage to to keep his brain and 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 i even like the fact where um the doctors say that they could save his arm, but then the the corporate guy is just like, no, lose his mm-hmm. arm, just put in a, a robot arm because that because that'll make it work better or mm-hmm. or whatever his reasons. Like he just wants the the robot arm because they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, go ahead. Well, you, I guess this, I was gonna ask um, if you had any problem suspending disbelief, but. Uh, I figure since you're so into uh, sci-fi and superheroes, that wouldn't be a problem for you. I, I, I kind of had problems with the whole, when he gets, <laughs> when they shoot him up and he's like blowing off like all these parts of his body and shoot him in the head and uh, <laughs> all that. I, I kind of had problems with that part where in like, there's no way like a hospital would like come for that body and try to revive it. There's no way that that body is coming back to life at all. Like he was dead as a rock. <laughs> I kind of struggled with them going so over the top with his death because <laughs> I, I, I kind of had trouble understanding how the technology worked. But I guess, I guess you kind of just have to go with it with these sorts of films. Yeah, that. That's that's definitely something that that you get whenever you do watch a, a lot of sci-fi because that's mm-hmm. that's one of the one of the necessities to to really set up the the premise for for the whole film because they needed this uh, they basically needed this officer to die in order so that they can use his brain mm-hmm. um, in uh, in this RoboCop program so I I kind of just looked at it. I've looked past that aspect of it as something that that's that's like a necessarily evil that that they needed to have to uh, for the the premise really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm 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 fine with that. I just I just, I think in going so over the top, it just kind of kind of um, lost me there. I mean, I, I I understand that that he had to die and they would use his brain. Um, to like shoot him in the head and like shoot off his body and then have a hospital ambulance come for him it's kind of <laughs> i don't know maybe I, I, I just need to roll with it <laughs> yeah i do think that it that it helps because it, it does create this like extremely violent memory for him 
because that mm-hmm. that's also it, it also helps to to set up the the fact that uh, at more or less how evil the 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 villains are that yeah. they're that yeah. they're able to do such this extreme level of violence to this police mm-hmm. officer um so in, in a way that that does help to um for whenever you see RoboCop going after them later in the movie, you don't feel near like you don't feel for them at all because they've committed such violence that that you're okay with seeing violence done back to them in return. Yeah. What do you, What did you What do you think about the the lead actor? Um, uh, Peter Weller. His name Peter Peter Weller. I yeah. haven't seen him in anything else. Like what happened to his career? <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't he hasn't really done a whole lot. I I think he he did show up in something fairly recently, and and I do know in the um, like in the superhero realm, he voiced Batman in The Dark Knight Returns Part One and Two. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I I thought that he did um, that he handled the role really well. Um, if he does. I think he does robotic, which in in some things would be a very negative thing to say, but mm-hmm. obviously in this works where he's supposed to be robotic, it works really well. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's uh, he was in Star Trek Into Darkness. He played the um, the the bad guy, like the the oh. bad guy on um, in Starfleet. Okay. Um, how how would you come how would you compare this film to others like it from the eighties? Would you say it holds up well against things like I guess um, Terminator? Terminator was the eighties, right? Uh, yeah, um, it yeah. was. Oh, I forget which year. I, I actually just watched that for the first time recently. Uh, okay. Yeah, for for an episode just uh, just a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I I do think that it holds up it holds up pretty well. Um, I I love the fact that it does use so many practical effects because I I'm a big fan of of practical effects over okay. computer animation and pretty much mm-hmm. the only thing that that does look a little bit dated, but I can look past it because just because I love the look of stop motion animation is the Ed two oh nine. Right, because that is the the stop motion. But I I think that um, that the way that they use the the effects and and the tons and tons of squibs and all the bullet wounds in, in this in this film and and his his death at the beginning and like you can see that it's it's something that's physically there and yeah. that's something that you just don't get as much with yeah. CGI even now um yeah. and and whenever he takes off his mask what mm-hmm. what did you think about that moment how how that looked with him whenever he removes his visor yeah i thought that was pretty cool um how they how they designed that uh, as you say the, the practical effects um, you you really can see the difference i think they did a good job with that um yeah, and then there's also the um, the leg holster, which mm-hmm. which was done uh, to good effect. You, I mean, you only see it like once or twice in the movie, but the the way they sell it, it makes you think, makes it feel like something that that could actually exist. 
Yeah. And then, um, what did you think about the the more or less mystery plot? Which I, I guess, to a certain extent, you you did know that it was coming because they they yeah. did something very similar in in the remake. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it was a bit predictable, um, but uh, I, I think I think the the motives and so on were handled well, and the the villains were, were very good, as I said. Um, so I didn't have any issue with that. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, and, and and I think one thing that this movie does does do really well that is very eighties, but I I think it holds up is the way that that it has those action movie one liners. Like they they're not necessarily mm-hmm. done for um, for comic relief, but mm-hmm. they they just add the right amount of eighties punch because this this yeah. has so <laughs> many great lines in it. It's like dead or alive, you're coming with me and. Yeah. I think that the ending to this really has a, a much better punch than than the remake does. Whenever, oh yeah, in the remake you don't get that moment where where the guy says you're fired and um, RoboCop mm-hmm. says thank you and shoots him out mm-hmm. the window. The, that's just like that's just a moment of hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like a real fist pump moment, and and, yeah. and you don't get that feeling at all in the remake. Yeah, you don't. But and that's that's something that's it's like very eighties, but it still works. Yeah, that always works. <laughs> um, uh, let's say, is there anything else that you, that you want to say about RoboCop, or do you think we pretty much covered hmm. it? Uh, can't think of anything else. I think we've discussed a good bit of it. Um, yeah, and if there's anything else you wanted to discuss, well, um, I I think that about does it. I'm I'm a a big fan of of the original RoboCop, and mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it, that I was able to to watch it again because I, I have seen it a few mm-hmm. times, but. But I always mm-hmm. love seeing it um, whenever I get the chance. Um, oh yeah, I, I do know you you briefly mentioned it but, um, about his his partner, um, how it, it is this mm-hmm. woman officer, and it's someone who doesn't become a love interest. Yeah, which is really refreshing for a lot of mm-hmm. sci-fi because she is this. Um, more or less strong character, the strong female yeah. character. Uh, she's the one that really helps him out, and even though she does get there, there is a moment at the beginning where she's like, um, "I should drive because I know the city better," and he's like, "No, I I always drive whenever I break in newer new partners." Yeah, and even that, even that is very eighty time. It wasn't that unusual to see strong female characters in movies like this. I mean, you have um, Aliens and Terminator and all those films around this time, they had really strong female characters. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of just shows um, what what cinema was like back then. Yeah, how we've almost taken a step backwards Yeah, in, in cinema in, in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, um, I'd like to thank you for joining me to, to talk about these two films. I, I I really enjoyed watching Boys in the Hood. 
Uh, my wife, I, I will say, didn't enjoy it as much as me because mm-hmm. she thought a lot of it was just a, a little bit too much on on the sad side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a very sad movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed um, watching Boys in the Hood and revisiting RoboCop. Um, but uh, why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you online? Okay, well, thanks thanks for having me. Um, I, was, I was honored that you decided to invite me to the podcast. And for all the listeners, they can find me on Film Actually. Um, my site is www.film-actually.com. And you can also find me at uh, the award circuit, which is www.awardcircuit.com. All right, and as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com and at channelsuperhero.com, where um, I am covering all the new and uh, some of the older superhero television shows. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat, and you can follow the the podcast on uh, Twitter at FilmWise, and I'm also on Facebook, and you can follow the show on iTunes and Stitcher and Podomatic. And if you want to know what two films we'll be talking about next time on the next regular episode, go ahead and listen through to the end for the mashup trailer. Until next time. We have a real situation developing. Don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. We hit something big. This was our career bust. This was, what, $100 million? Oh, my God. What the hell happened here? You, you ain't with the bad guys now. You with, you with the cops. This is United States Marshal Kerry Stetko, over. We were wondering if we can borrow a cup of brown sugar. <sighs> you, you, something wrong with you.